welcome back to Ghoul's Night In, the spooky chat show with your best ghoul friends. I'm Penny Snark. And I'm Midge Munster. And uh, today I want to talk about a favorite movie of mine. So <gasps> You're doing we, a movie episode? I did a movie, and we just talked about one of the sources of horror movies on our previous episode. And today we're going to get a little pop culture with it. Uh, so... I am. I have famously said on this podcast that I never really watched a lot of horror movies, wasn't super into horror, but I also have always been extremely into The Silence of the Lambs. <gasps> Ooh, okay. I'm excited. Yeah. So um, I first watched it in high school and I was already a true crime girly at this point in my life. <laughs> and was just all about it. Um, This episode is going to be specifically about the film. I do reserve the right to talk about Hannibal NBC at a future (laughs) date. I know we just gushed about Brian Fuller a lot, but I feel like you have to talk about the OG first. I, I have to tell you something. Have you not seen Silence of the Lambs? I also haven't seen Hannibal. Uh, Oh my goodness. (laughs) Oh my goodness, you pod- podcasters! Have- good goodbye forever. It was nice. It was nice knowing you, Midge. But this is done now. Uh, I've seen a Silence of the Lambs is one of those weird ones where I've seen enough of it that I know. Yeah. Like I've seen a lot of it on. You know, it was always on like TV and stuff. This is also, uh, and I believe she listens to the podcast. One of my best friends, Nelly. This is her favorite movie of all time, hey. and she will talk you into the ground about. Silence of the Lambs and Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> uh, so I I know you're you're I will say you're not going to spoil anything for me, right. so that's good. Um, but yeah, no, I have never like sat down and watched this film in its entirety, and I I'm assuming now this will be the episode that forces me to do that. <laughs> right. I I see. Okay. I feel like this is a fair trade. I'm going to watch Trick or Treat, and you're going to watch Silence <gasps> of the Lambs. I feel like we really flip flopped this week. I did like a Victorian <laughs> history lesson, right? and you're doing a horror film. Well, Who let's are talk we? About a horror film. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we will say up front. So uh, rest in peace to Q Lazarus, um, the mm-hmm. artist who did the iconic "Goodbye Horses" song that appeared in this movie. Um, just passed like two days ago when we yeah. Uh, so just wanted to give a shout out. Um, but let's go let's go back in time Midge um to <laughs> Valentine's Day 1991 when this romantic little movie called Silence of the Lambs was first released in theaters It came out on Valentine's Day It sure did <laughs> Have you ever loved someone so much that you literally want them inside you <laughs> by Have eating I them I got a movie for you <laughs> Uh, so it was released on Valentine's Day. It went on uh, to sweep the major five categories at the Oscars. Um, so there are only three films ever that have won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, and Best Screenplay. Wow. Um, and that is It Happened One Night, which is from 1934, um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, mm-hmm. and Silence of the Lambs. The, the only one I knew of that was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Next. I did not know that about Silence of the Lambs. That's crazy. Yes. Um, and it is also uh, considered to be the only horror film to win Best Picture, which is interesting because, so as I kind of said in my beginning, I guess I never really thought of this as a horror movie. I don't like, really either. I think of it as being like suspense. 
Yeah, like I would call it like a psychological thriller. Right. But like when you point out like all of the stuff that's in it, like I can't say that it's not horror. <laughs> like there's it, certainly it is horrifying. Yeah, like, there's the, certainly yeah. plenty of horror elements um to it, but yeah. Um I think I, like I, I saw it described as psychological horror on a couple of websites. Yeah. I think there there I'm sure I, I feel like I should know this. I'm sure there are like specific things that something has to hit to be considered a horror genre film. And I feel like, especially with Anthony Hopkins, like he is a killer. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, like I feel like there are enough elements there that, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it is, but it's maybe not what we traditionally think of. Yeah. Um, And also as, as Midge kind of implied, um, there will be spoilers for this movie (laughs) (laughs) throughout this episode. Not that I would think that anyone would tune into a silence of the lambs episode, not expecting there to be any spoilers, but just so we're completely clear. Um, So we just redact all the information. You're like, (laughs) yeah. So then beep goes to beep. Something (laughs) really crazy happens. And I won't tell you about it though. Um, So this is based on novel by Thomas Harris of the same name. Um, And this is actually not the first time that Hannibal Lecter appeared on screen. Um, So in 1986, there was a film called Manhunter, uh, which was based on Thomas Harris's novel Red Dragon, uh, which features Will Graham, who people who watch uh, Brian Fuller's Hannibal will be (laughs) familiar with. Uh, So in that movie, Hannibal is portrayed by Brian Cox. And Will is actually played by William Peterson, famously Gil Grissom from CSI. Oh. So this movie um, was a a big financial flop. Um, It got mixed critical reviews. Um, But it actually did so poorly that when Orion Pictures wanted to adapt Silence of the Lambs, uh, Dino De Laurentiis, who was the rights holder, actually gave like lent them the rights for free to make <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. They said, "Here, take it." <laughs> right? <laughs> like we don't need this, and because it is really interesting, because Manhunter actually came out before Silence of the Lambs, the novel was written. Oh, yeah. So like the so like they hadn't even read Silence of the Lambs. Like they had they already owned the rights to him based on Red Dragon, and they were just like, "Yeah, whatever." And <laughs> I mean, it, it worked out for them because obviously Silence of the Lambs made this property they own the rights to much more valuable. Uh, yeah, I would say. <laughs> yes. Um, so for anyone who's not familiar or needs a refresher, um, Silence of the Lambs follows an FBI trainee named Clary Starling, who gets brought in on the investigation of a serial killer called Buffalo Bill. Um, As part of the investigation, she is sent to interview Hannibal Lecter, who is a psychiatrist turned serial killer known for cannibalizing his victims. Uh, He's intrigued by her. The story follows her trying to solve the crime, battling sexism, trauma, and like trying not to let Hannibal get into her head. And it's just all, it's all very cool. It's got like a lot of those kind of crime solving elements as well as sort of this like high stakes, emotional intensity, past trauma, all, all of the good stuff that we love to see. (laughs) Quote the good stuff, emotional trauma. (laughs) And I did. um, So obviously it came out in 1991. So last year was the 30th anniversary um, of Silence of the Lambs. And I did read a Vox article that was kind of written about the film's cultural legacy. And they were really talking about how Silence of the Lambs was one of the first films that kind of elevated horror and like genre 
because you know in the 70s and 80s we had a lot of slasher movies we had a lot of like very like gory movies or like kind of funny movies like gremlins and silence of the lambs was very like atmospheric and like a serious drama kind of way which was a little bit different even though i will constantly and forever protest the term elevated horror but yes (laughs) i understand what they're saying but also how dare they (laughs) um and the article does give a lot of credit for that um to the role of clary starling who is like a very grounded and very realistic character Mm -hmm. and i feel like you know when people are talking about silence of the lambs a lot of the you know a lot of interest goes to hannibal lecter But we're going to talk about Clarice first because she is an icon. Um, So apparently Jodie Foster was like immediately interested in this. um, But their first choice was Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, I I mean, I can't imagine it as anybody else. I know. Right. Like and Michelle Pfeiffer get, wouldn't have been a bad choice though. No, no, I she's, think she would have been got good. Some chops, yeah. And they also offered it to Meg Ryan and, and I hate Laura that. Dern. Um, <laughs> so Laura Dern, I could see Meg Ryan would be a weird choice. I, I feel, feel like. like that maybe. Well, no, but they offered it to her, so she wasn't interested. I feel like that would have been like, um, like how Courtney Cox did Scream to prove she could do something other than Monica. Right. Yeah. Like that would have been that move for Meg Ryan to be like, I'm not just the ingenue from every like romance film right now. <laughs> yeah. But no, people were like, mm, this film has dark themes. I don't know what we think about this. I, I don't know. About um, that, but yeah. Jodie Foster was like, I want to do this. Um, She had like read the book and was very into it. Um, So Clarice is a huge badass and like, One of the things that I think is really interesting is obviously there are big themes of misogyny in this movie because like, you know, women are getting murdered in it. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm, But also mm -hmm. there's just like so much casual sexist treatment that Clarice gets at like the hands of supposedly the good guys. Like being a a woman in a male dominated mm -hmm. field, especially at the time too. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I, I think any, any woman who has been in a, a room full of men has kind of related to that. And like, there's a very, I don't know if you would have seen, like, this isn't like a a majorly quoted quotable scene or anything, but when Clarice goes with um, Jack Crawford to, you know, see this body that's been dredged up and Jack Crawford kind of implies that like to the other, like male detectives in the room that like, she's like too delicate. Mm -hmm. And like later is like, Oh, like, you know, I don't think that like I was just trying to get like the sheriff out of there. And she even says, you know, like when they see you treat me that way, mm-hmm. that tells them that that's the correct way to to, to, to treat me. And it's uh, it Pop just gets me, gets me right there. And I'm like, Clarice, you tell him. And supposedly <laughs> the FBI saw a jump in female enrollment after this movie, which seems wild to me because I'm like, who watches Silence of the Lambs and is like, yeah. <sighs> You know what? (laughs) I think I've found my calling. Right? It's like, ooh, serial murder and sexism in the workplace? Where do I sign up? (laughs) Though, you know what? You're going to get that no matter where you work. This is true. This is true. (laughs) There was a real, because, well, no, that probably wasn't until the 2000s. Polar opposite film, but I feel like right around this era is when Miss Congeniality also came out. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> we're addressing female FBI agents left and right. It's uh, true. Women are like, you know what? <laughs> I want to take control. 
I want to yeah, be fair. in charge. I'm going to be an FBI agent. Yes. And I mean, obviously Clarice is kind of an, an inspiration at the root of like this kind of tough, uncompromising female crime solvers. I think of, you know, Dana Scully or Olivia Benson from SVU. Hell yeah, Benson. And just getting it, getting it done. It's true. It is, it is nice to see a lady getting it done. And they do they do some wild stuff uh, with Clarice's character <laughs> later in the franchise, uh, but I would say n- no notes for Silence of the Lamb. She's very good here. No notes. <laughs> no notes. Um, but why don't we talk about this Hannibal Lecter guy? Hell so yeah. he is American Film Institute's number one villain in film, voted the fourth best film character total of all time. Wow. Um, he was originally offered to Sean Connery, who <laughs> thought it was fucked up and he didn't want to do it. Um, <laughs> I'm picturing all the lines in his voice now, and that's hilarious to me. I know, right? Good evening, Clarice. Clarice. <laughs> 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 um, but is, of course, iconically played by the incredible Anthony Hopkins. Um, so this is one as, so as previously mentioned, Jodie Foster won best actress, um, for her role as Clarice, Anthony Hopkins won best actor, um, for his role as Hannibal Lecter, which is one of the shortest Oscar winning performances of all time. Um, he is only on screen for 16 minutes. I was literally going to say he's a Beetlejuice situation. He is. It is. It is. And I did the math. I did the math for y'all because it's a 188 minute movie. So he is in like 7% of this yeah. movie. And I really, we talked about this in Beetlejuice though. There is something to be said about this type of use of a really extreme character mm-hmm. that it, it tantalates. Is that what I want to say? like the audience like Analyzes. it analyzes yeah like it it, <laughs> it like um yeah like it, it makes them you want more you leave wanting more of the character which yeah. is a really smart play by screenwriter and director both like that that's it's brilliant <laughs> yeah it really is and like in in this film like there is it's a lot of scenery chewing <laughs> like Hopkins definitely goes all in on it and it mm-hmm. would like I feel like it definitely could seem like cheesy or overwhelming if he was in like a lot more right of the movie but because he is so so judiciously um applied it's like ooh love it mm-hmm. and he um is credited as so the character of Hannibal Lecter is credited as being kind of a prototype for this kind of urbane genius serial killer um, who continues to populate crime fiction? Um, I mean, not to not to drop a hot take because of give course, us, uh, give it to us. <laughs> in reality, serial killers are you know mostly mediocre men, and their genius is usually bad police work. So <laughs> yeah, hmm. So there, there's that. But it we is, need a uh, we need a theme. It's like Penny's hot takes, Penny's hot <laughs> takes, like. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like he he's a super villain more than he is a realistic like a real life murderer person murderer person uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah he he does fascinating i mean he's you know ripping people's faces off stringing people up with crazy flesh wings just doing doing all the things always giving oh hannibal lecter always giving us the most <laughs> He's he's giving 110%. We really appreciate that. He really is. 
And yeah, I don't know. I feel like that is like just one of those classic tropes is like this horrible, horrible, evil person who is fascinated by you, the Mm -hmm. interesting, interesting female protagonist. And it's, it's, it's hard to resist. I mean, I, I I will drop another hot take and say, yes, I do think Hannibal Lecter is sexy. Sorry about it. (laughs) I think a lot of people who love this movie think that. I think you're yes. very not alone in that. I um, I, I hope so. I... <laughs> my again, I I am using my friend's perspective to tell this story, but uh, she is in love with him. So yes, <laughs> yes. thank you, appreciated. Um, and speaking of serial killers, we have the 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 true truest villain of this piece. Hannibal is also a villain, um, but. Buffalo Bill is the the murderer that everyone is pursuing, who it's time for another classic um, Mm -hmm. bit and theme song, which is Weird Wisconsin, because he's inspired by good old Wisconsin boy, Ed Gein. Ed Gein. (laughs) Gotta get women's suit, stuff made of skin, it's all super gross. We have, I'm going to hire somebody to make us a, uh, what, what did we call it in that episode? It was like the uh, Milwaukee Connection. That's yeah. what it, it's the Milwaukee Connection theme song. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Um, and then, of course, there is also a very direct inspiration from Ted Bundy, um, mm-hmm. who famously would wear a cast to help him lure women into his car, uh, which Buffalo Bill does when he kidnaps Catherine and just generally generally a bad a bad dude in a bad time and <laughs> we're straight up not having fun with buffalo straight bill straight up not having fun and that is you know we'll get we'll get to a little bit of a serious moment here which is that we cannot ignore um there's a lot of transphobia that is attached to this movie sure um in the film buffalo bill is explicitly stated to not be trans but obviously that's not kind of what people take away from it and the way that it's portrayed as like, you know, a weirdo cross-dressing queer killer and gender queer and otherwise gender non-conforming characters are often, often a motif in horror and it's gross and not cool. And yeah, we're not here for villainizing queer people for existing. (laughs) Yes. And there are definitely like, I have definitely seen um, especially some drag performers and other queer people who have kind of, reclaim this kind of idea of queer monstrousness Mm -hmm. which i fully respect and hell yeah for them um but you can't talk about this movie without acknowledging how damaging it has been for trans people and that definitely is a is a damper on what is in many ways a very a very cool and an iconic film um but it has has a dark cultural impact as well that we shouldn't ignore unfortunately uh you would be hard pressed to find a film made before like 2009 right <laughs> that that ends and still too now yeah, but, still I mean, today. <laughs> but i feel like every film before like 2010 every single film there's something where you're like oh that would have been almost good except for that one thing uh right. yeah yeah we yeah you're absolutely right we gotta you have to shine light on it yeah gotta acknowledge it, it. Um, but other things that I really enjoy about Silence of the Lambs is that it has someone from Frasier on it, which I don't, I don't know if this has come up. On I was literally going to say, I don't think we've ever talked about your, I was going to say, you guys, you guys don't know the, don't know. If you follow me, you know, the deep penny lore, which is that I love Frasier. Not penny lore. 
<laughs> oh my god. Um, but yes, um, there is a wonderful scene after um, after discovering the cocoon um, in a victim's mouth. Clarice uh, goes to get that investigated, and one of the entomologists um, is Bob Bulldog Briscoe from Frasier. And <laughs> I am always very excited about that. And I don't know, there's just something, like you said, this was a movie that was on TV, like, all the time. Yeah. And it's just one of those things that, like, I would constantly stop and watch it. And, like, this is one of the movies that I think, I think I mentioned, I don't remember if I mentioned this in an episode or not, but I thought of it when we went to Slashback Video, when we Uh were in California. I used to be, I, like, I would not walk down the horror aisle at Blockbuster, because I, I got too scared the looking covers at were the, scary. the movie covers. And the Silence of the Lambs covers, like, 100% was one of the covers I was really scared of. Because I was mm. like, oh my gosh, there's a crazy bug come out of a lady's face. Like, I'm not yep. about it. And I don't know when when the switch flipped. If it was just because I, you know, started reading a lot of, like, Anne Rule <laughs> true crime in middle school. Sure. And just went, went downhill from there. Um, but by the time it kind of came around, it became something that really speaks to me. And, and also what an iconic image that, yes, that, uh, video cover, I guess, or poster art, like what, uh, I feel like even if you know nothing about horror, you know what the cover of Silence of the Lambs looks like. Yes. Like that, that moth image is so, uh, striking, really beautiful. It really is. And I think, I think it's really interesting because, you know, we talk a lot about like horror movies kind of like being not great when they first came out and then people really love them or like being a critical success, but a box office failure. And Silence of the Lambs was really like pretty popular. It was kind of a slow build, but like it opened at number one and Mm. continued to be popular, generally got good reviews um, from critics Um, some people thought that it was too kind of like gory or over the top or too Too dark, dark. um, but (laughs) as as which I think just goes to show, like when you compare it to like a horror horror movie, it doesn't seem like super gory in my opinion, but like people were like kind of judging it against like mainstream and like Oscar contender type films. Right. Well, and maybe too, you know, coming off the back of slashers, which though extremely gory are also like very based in camp and fiction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like this being a movie that was based in true stories, true, you know, I mean, not, not, it's not a true story, but like the, you know, the characters being based on like, I mean, everybody knew about Ed Gein, like, yeah. you know, that like that news was na- all over. Um, so maybe having that bit of grounding in reality also just took it to maybe a little bit too dark of a place for some folks. Um, and like cannibalism, what a touchy, yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a touchy topic. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Although they're like, Hannibal talks about it and I guess he does like kind of bite someone's face off but I Just don't think bit. he like is like active so like there's not a whole lot of like on-screen cannibalism he's not a movie. he's not a practicing cannibal so it's fine <laughs> right I mean not 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 by choice for <laughs> right <him>, but <laughs> yes oh man but 
yeah, I just wanted to talk about Silence of the Lambs because it's a cool movie and we saw like um, at the other mu- movie museum that we visited when we went to the Hollywood Museum um, in LA, uh, they have kind of like built out the like um, the set, insane yeah. asylum set. And so you can come around the corner and have Hannibal staring out at you. And very then the, uh, the uh, Mystic Museum, you you got to go in the Buffalo Bill room. Yes. You had your little lotion in the basket moment. I did have a lotion <laughs> in the basket moment. Precious was there and everything. It was a, it was the whole scene. <laughs> I do um, want to, since we're putting light on different representation and things in this film, uh, positive representation moment. Anthony Hopkins, uh, not too, too long ago, has come out about the fact that he has autism. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, and so he, I believe, is credited as one of the only, if not the only, uh, actor with autism to win Best Actor, or at least one that um, has said they have autism. Yeah, openly. Is, yeah. yeah. Um, but I know, like, several of my friends are autistic, and that was really poignant for them, because I, I honestly think that especially in acting where it's so mm-hmm. much about observing behavior and things um, it, that career is sometimes I think thought of something that autistic people maybe couldn't understand. I don't know. I I've not, that's not my belief, but no, yeah, I definitely, no, I think uh, that is, it would definitely be like the cultural narrative. Right. And talk about like one of the greatest freaking actors of all time. Like Anthony Hopkins is so incredible at, observing and like his his acting is as much listening as it is active like behavior Mm -hmm. he's just i mean really a superior actor and so that i think is very uh awesome cool representation for the autistic community um his even though again we're In this particular instance, we're talking about a not so savory <laughs> character. Yeah, uh, yeah, but 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 a, but a good performance. It doesn't have to. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a positive character for the. What a freaking <laughs> yeah! Like a top notch performance. Um, the again, I need to. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go watch. I'm gonna go sit and watch the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, actually, like you said, I mean, it is a movie that even if you haven't like sat down and seen it you are familiar with so many references from it. You're familiar with so yeah. many scenes of it. It is just a it's iconic. hugely culturally relevant film. Yeah. <laughs> I actually had a, a, like my, my best friend and I sat down the other day and had like, uh, it, it was like we were admitting to like something horrible to each other where we were like, how many like really classic horror movies have we not actually <laughs> seen? Like we know enough you know, just being adjacent that we can talk mm-hmm, about them. Yeah. But then, like, so we, we sat down and made a list of films that neither of us have actually watched that we, like, know a lot about, but we've never sat and watched. And we've started working through them. And Silence of the Lambs is on that list. So <laughs> I'm gonna, gonna do my homework. Yes, bump it up there. I, I highly, highly recommend. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that is it for us today. Um, If you are a fan of Sansa the Lambs or of any um, Hannibal Lecter silence verse, I don't know (laughs) what we call it, uh, kind of series. Silence verse. (laughs) 
uh, just sound off and and let us know. And if you're a little lamb, sound <laughs> off. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I yeah. I did. I almost see and now. I'm like because I almost started this episode with Have the lambs stopped screaming yet? <laughs> and then I would have been like, What? Right? You would have been like, What? What? Who's lambs? What They're are like, you are, talking about? Are you okay? <laughs> oh my goodness. If you haven't watched it, check it out with all of the caveats as mentioned. Um, But thank you so much for joining us today to talk about cool movies, all of the spooky things that we love. Um, We love to have you along with us. And if you are enjoying the show, uh, it really helps us out when you write a review. And sometimes we read those reviews right here on this program. I believe Mitch has one for you today. I sure do. Uh, This is from Twin HCK, and it is titled, So Much Fun. (laughs) Uh, I love listening to spooky ghouls like me. So much fun. (laughs) That's the whole review, but it's perfect. Thank you. Short but sweet. That's all you need. Don't be intimidated. You can just say that that it's great, and we're happy to hear it. Yes. Or just, you know, if you feel so inclined, just go in there and click the little stars. You don't even yes, have to write anything. Very true. Very true. Stars are also very much appreciated. And I think you can rate with stars on like Spotify. I don't think Spotify has reviews. That's a But I think you can rate it. So question. please rate us if you listen know. if you listen on Spotify, because our stats say that most of you do. So Oh, sure enough. We have 50 five-star reviews on Spotify as well. Hey, thank you to all of you. We thank love you. you. We love you. <laughs> um, if you want to keep up uh, with the ghouls, you can follow our podcast on Instagram at ghouls night in pod. And actually something exciting is going to be happening over there next week, because do you know what next week is, Midge? Speaking of 50. Hey. <laughs> It's our 50th episode. I'm sure that was just the an way... audio disaster. I'm sorry, you guys. But also the way we didn't rehearse that and no. it just happened organically no. is deeply upsetting and amazing at the same time. <laughs> we're on um. we're on the wavelength. Yes, um, next week is going to be the 50th episode of Ghoul's Night In, which is wild, wild and crazy. Yeah. And uh, to celebrate, we are going to be doing a Instagram live. Um, yeah. So... It is going to be a sleepover, so put on your gym jams or whatever you care to wear and uh, join us at 7 p.m. Central on Tuesday, September 6th. Yay. Uh, that is 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m. Eastern. And everyone else, I don't know. You will have to look it up yourself. <laughs> mountain time, right? <laughs> that's six o'clock yeah. mountain time. Sure. And I think that's all of us. <laughs> uh, yeah, people in, in yeah, UK, Europe, I'm, I'm so sorry. Sorry about it. <laughs> sorry about it. Fig- you'll have to do some math. Um, but yeah, we would love to have you come and celebrate our 50th episode with us. Yeah, we're excited. I can't believe, I mean, we're also, this, this, the 50th is also falling like almost, almost exactly at the year mark of when we released the pod as well. So it's been a whole year of hanging out with you ghouls, having a great time. Uh, We'll we'll get mushy next week, Mitch. Save it, save it for the 50th. Okay, wow. (laughs) Maybe I'll hand you over to Buffalo Bill. How about that? (laughs) Oh man, I'm gonna that 
I will say one of like the most disturbing parts of the entire film for me is you probably won't know this, but the people who know will know when they show the fingernails in the wall. Ooh. Fucked up, I, man. So look forward, I, look forward to I that. I lied. Image. I'm not going to go watch it. <laughs> that's like a weird, that's a weird horror point for me. Anything with teeth or fingernails being like pulled off. I can't. I nope. Immediately. Yep. No, it's rough. Anyway, uh, that's Instagram. You can find me on Instagram <laughs> or Twitter or any other place probably that you look for me. I'm at Penny Snark. And you can find me across all platforms at Midge Munster. And until next time, goodbye. Bye.